This is Waffle On Podcast. Welcome to Waffle On Podcast. My name is Simon Meddings. And I'm Mark Keller. And you're wearing what can only be described as Noel Edmonds' yeah. uh, jumper. It's called Fashion Mate. <laughs> if they're on a webcam, you see all about it. I'm going to take a picture of it. I'm going to post it up. At least it's not one of those knitted things. You know, you, don't, you snag your hand. Is it more like a... What is it? It's Italian. Is it? It's Italian cotton. He's yeah. right in Italy. You are. Where'd you buy it from? Uh, it's from Italy, yeah. Imported Italy. from Italy, yeah. Imported it from Italy. Yeah, yeah. From a company in Italy, that makes them. No, no. <laughs> don't know. Next. <laughs> you cheeky. Uh, I swear so early in the podcast. No, no, you won't just that. Uh, hello, welcome to the show. Uh, apologies if I sound uh, slightly different than normal. Uh, I have a terrible cold. Um, which is nothing new. Well, like I said, it's enough of you. Better call it. I love that. About five years. <laughs> which we battle on, we battle on. Uh, welcome to the show. We are going to be talking about today the man who would be king. And Kel, what do we do before we do that? We, well, we play the theme tune, which is not really the theme tune. But the film titles. The score. film titles. Opening title score.
Opening theme there, music by uh, Maurice Jarre. Uh, now, we're going to do some housekeeping that we normally do at the end of the show, because um, we thought we'd get straight into the, uh, into the recording also, because of that. I forgot to um, get a sample. But still, that's life in uh, podcasting and radio. Um, this film, directed by John Houston and produced by John Foreman. I wonder if that's any relation to um, that terrible actor who's in EastEnders now. Jamie Foreman? Yeah. No, well, it can't that, be, can it? Surely, he was a gang- his dad was the... Maybe he is. Could have been, no. Could the crazy getaway driver? Oh, he was, yeah. No, obviously not then. This was written, it's based on the short story by Rudyard Kipling and the screenplay was wrote by John Houston and Gladys Hill. It stars, of course, the brilliant Sean Connery in what can we only describe as a fantastic uh, sideboard straight I knew you were going to mention his uh, facial hair in this, because uh, it is amazing facial it's hair, really, isn't it? It is really good. It really does suit him. I mean, it just goes to show that Connery, a man who has never, ever shied away from the fact that he's bald, even on the uh, behind-the-scenes shots of, uh, I think it's... Um, uh, the second Bond film. Oh, I think you were telling me that then in Goldfinger he was bald in Goldfinger. He's bald in Doctor No. In Doctor No, he was bald. Well, well he, he, he's kind of like receded quite badly. So is there yeah, any pictures of him bald? Yeah, yeah, no, is it not like I, I, or is it like a William Shatner? No, no, no. Connery would take his wig off in between takes. Oh. I mean, it's only a two page, just a fun bit. Uh, but it's really good because when you see him swimming, oh. it's virtually undetected. Do you ever think you'll see William Shatner bald before you die? No. I don't think I know you've know. searched for many years, haven't you? Well, I've got there is a great website <laughs> called Shatner's Toupee, and it's it is literally it shows all his early work and how receding he actually is. And there's some he even had a receding uh, uh, wig, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is obviously you know, I mean, that's that's like a Terry wig on, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, there's if you look at especially with the HD Star Trek stuff coming out now. Uh, if you look, you can actually see the line where it's it's, it's uh, hanging. He's proper bald, really. Yeah. His only only real bit of hair William Shatner's got is right at the back because uh-huh. it always sticks out. Yeah. There you go. One Shatner. day, one day, yeah, one day we will get that, <laughs> and I'm going to post it everywhere. Yeah. But uh, kind of, you know, never never a man to um, uh, to be ashamed of going bald. He, he used to um, he's had many a publicity shot. Uh, uh, Manny would be king. What we're talking about now, he's 1975. I know. So he'd come back to do Diamonds Are Forever. Um, and obviously was wearing a wig then so that, you know and then obviously later on in 1982 for Never Say Never Again the unofficial Bond film we make a Thunderball um, he's wigged again so he's, he's never shied away from it no. and I think he, and that's the reason why people accept it a bit more as Ted Danson who of course whipped his wig off in Cheers in one episode yeah I did yeah. but you tell me about that yeah, yeah you can look, look it up on YouTube it's <laughs> quite a funny bit he's got a team as well uh, and of course the other actor there is uh, Michael Caine sporting uh, some very interesting 70s uh, 70s hairstyle there uh, Michael Caine's a legend although I've fallen out of love of him a bit really well you had your heart broken didn't I, I did, 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 didn't I didn't I didn't, didn't <laughs> didn't make any sense there, did I? No, yeah, didn't I? Didn't you? Um, yeah, because um, we, you know, I know they say you should never meet your heroes. Yeah, but if you get a chance, you get a chance. Like when we met, you know, when I met George Mayer, George Mayer was a lovely bloke, weren't he? Oh uh, well, the fact he actually shook my hand and I hadn't even paid. Yeah, he was a lovely bloke. We thought, oh, it's good. But I mean, and then you met Michael Caine. Well, yeah, and the thing is though, is that no disrespect to Michael Caine because I can see why the, his publicity department did it. I went to go and um, get his book signed, uh, his latest autobiography which is actually just a rehash of his original one with extra, you know, years put on. And um, I said to you, I remember saying to you, didn't I? I said, should I go? And you said, well, you know, you've got to, you can't miss this opportunity. <laughs> yeah. So I booked a day off work and I got up to Waterstones in, in Birmingham City Centre and waited. I was about, <coughs> excuse me, I was about the 13th um, person in, in line. And uh, so I thought, oh, great, you know, going to get, you know. And, I, and they come out and they said, oh, who's, who's it for? Simon's. They stuck the, my name inside the book, and I was thinking this doesn't bode well. No, no, no. And we got it. And they took the book off me, so I thought that kills that kills any chance of saying hi, Michael. My name's Simon. Yeah. 
And I thought, oh, okay, that, that's all right. Maybe he'll just say, oh, there you go, thanks. Man. Got there, I handed him the book. Well, they handed him my book. He opened it up, signed it, handed it up, and that was it. And I didn't even say, well, I can't. And I, I looked at him, and I went, and he, he looked up, he kind of looked up and like nodded, and that was it. And you're thinking, bastard. Yeah, you do. And I know it's because of the fact he wanted to sign as many books as he possibly could. Yeah, that's okay. But what annoyed me then is that I, I went after and met our mate Chris for a drink. Came back, and he was still signing. And the people at the end of the queue were then getting a bit of a chat. I'm thinking, hold on a minute. Yeah, I got here really early and, and all that. So, yeah, kind of felt a bit of a, you know, a bit. It's as, as like Richard E. Grant, nicest man in the world. Well, like I said, you've done Chris Barry and all that. They were all nice. Chris Barry, uh, Robert Llewellyn, really nice. Yeah, Michael Palin. Michael Palin, who, let's face it, he's a you know, legend yeah. in, in, yeah, yeah. in our eyes, anyway. Yeah, yeah. He was really nice. But another legend, Kel, I know that you're a huge fan, Christopher Plummer, playing Rudyard Kipling in this film. Uh, he's an amazing actor. He also plays one of my... Uh, all, I know we always link this, because we always end up talking about Sherlock Holmes, and everyone we ever do, but yeah. he played one of my best ever uh, Sherlock Holmes, he did, in, a, in an amazing film, done in the 70s. And I can't think of the name of it, you know, but it's an amazing one. And in, it, in the weapon, he's got like loads of coins in a scarf, and he whips it round his head, and has a fight with Jack the Ripper. Really? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I know, it's pla- I know he's playing Holmes, but I've never... I don't think I've ever seen it. You know? No, it's really good. It's, yeah. It was like a mini series, an American mini series, oh, right. and we had it in a film. But um, over Christmas on satellite, they showed the full one. I'm one of them crappy channels. Oh, Hallmark. Yeah, Hallmark and all them. They showed the full one. It was like eight, six, six or seven hours. It was same tonally, like the Michael Caine, Jack the Ripper yeah. one. And you know who he's, um, uh, I can't remember the exact word, but you know, like apprentice, kind of like person who takes on a younger actor mm. under his wing. Have a guess. We've already mentioned him. Already mentioned him? Yeah. Not William Shatner. Shatner. No way. Yes, he did, yeah. Yeah, it's all Canadian link, yeah. And that's, why, that's why when Christopher Plummer, there's a bit of a nod to that when Christopher Plummer turns up in the in a Star Trek film, playing the, the Moody Klinger. Uh, so that, that's why you're in it for, as a, as a kind of like a bit of a homie together. I can tell you an interesting Star Trek fact if you want one. Oh my lord, in fact, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> if we had a drum roll, I'd give it you, but Kelly, right, right. hit us. In the film, there's an Al Pacino film called Jill and June. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's not a very good film. No, the hints one. Right? Film. And in the film, Al Pacino played June. Ooh-ha. And June, he had to go to the door and open the door and look surprised. <laughs> so the, the director was saying, how can I get him to look surprised? Next door, they were filming a Star Trek movie. Oh, right. Okay. So he smuggled in Spock and, Sh- and, and Kirk in. Right? Stood him at the door... And didn't tell Al Pacino. No. Al Pacino opened the door, and in that film, he's looking surprised because they were dressed as Spock and Kirk. Oh, really? Yeah. There that's you a, go. That's, an excellent that's quite fact. a good fact, isn't that's it? A, that's, a, that's a brilliant fact. Well done, sir. That's <laughs> most impressed. Um, <laughs> the film. That's secret film, I didn't spoil that. I've, no, I've no. been itching to tell you that for about two weeks, but <laughs> yeah. I'll keep it for the podcast. Um, this was. Uh, um, sorry, <clears throat> I'll cough again. Uh, it was distributed by Allied Artists. Running time during I mean it came out of course in the United States in English and it was released on the seventeenth of December nineteen seventy five. There you go. A good day. It's say? a very auspicious date in my life. Well, <laughs> um yeah, so Michael Caine plays a character called Peachy Carnahan, uh, which is the name I took when I first started writing. Yeah, did, yeah, 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 it was jo- Carnahan, uh, Joseph yeah. Carnahan was my my writer's name until of course a director's turned up called Joseph Carnahan. No no good no longer you. And uh, um, Sean Connery plays Daniel Blavet, a wicked name. Uh, Christopher Plummer obviously plays uh, Rudyard Kipling. And uh, another uh, main actor in this, Zahid Jaffrey, well-known, uh, well-known Indian actor, uh, plays Billy Fish, 
which is uh, always, you know, well, wicked name, Billy Fish. He's wicked in it, isn't he? He's wicked in it. Now, we're going to be sticking a few clips of this film uh, throughout the... Um, the uh, the podcast. I wondered what he was doing then. My mind, my, had a mind <laughs> melt. He was like, "This is cold. It's really killing me." Um, so be prepared for some uh, some interesting clips. Also, uh, we wrote this uh, little script that we've got here as watching the film. Well, I did last night. Cal, you saw it at Christmas, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, I watched it. So we're gonna go. I'm actually gonna read what happens throughout the film. Um, slightly, obviously, condensed version because it's on for two hours twenty minutes. Two hours fifteen minutes actually. It says that it's yeah, yeah two hundred twenty minutes. Yeah, it seems different. It seems a bit longer for some reason. It, it, yeah, it, it is a long film. There's no doubt. Film. It is. A, well, it's John Houston, isn't it? He, it's he John made, Houston, he yeah. made even his small movies were epic in yeah. scale, weren't they? Another legendary director loves his drink, doesn't he? Yeah, don't get many of them anymore. No, he, you know, he always said one of the great uh, things. What for me in film? He always said, "When faced with the truth, always print the myth." Yeah. And, 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 and that's what I really believe in my movies I don't care about realism I know a load of people there's lots of people who look in this film it's, it's about imperialism there's it's no just, doubt it's, it's, about imperialism. Yeah, it's about imperialism but, that, it, did, but it did happen yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the thing sometimes we were talking about this recently about with the BBC that sometimes mm. they'll, they'll have a racist in it but he won't be a racist character and you think well how do you know he's a racist yeah, this yeah. film is about imperialists and they are imperialists they, are, imperialists. they are but they'll also you know two characters who feel they've been done hard, hard by you know they fought in the, the, the wars out there you know chasing Afghans down the hills mm. as you hear Michael Caine say uh, there's also a bit in there where he kicks an Indian guy but we'll talk about that when we get to the clip and I've put it in because I know you shouldn't laugh but it's okay but what makes me anyway I'll, I'll explain yeah, okay. it so anyway the film starts out um, actually all pre-title another unusual thing actually for, for films uh, which in an Indian marketplace there's, there's quite a strange thing with blind people sitting there slowly chanting in it I think it gives that kind of um, almost, not horror but kind of you know it always looks interesting but there's also you can tell poverty and you can tell that like, there's something quite disturbing about the place. The snake charming is there. There's that bloke with the scorpions on his face. Yeah, it's a very odd bit. It, it, I don't know, I think for Britain, especially that period when we were the biggest power in the world, the big uh, imperial... I think the Queen. When the big imperial <laughs> power in the world, India always did a fascination to British. Yeah. And it always has had... I think and it's it, still you know, it's it? in Sherlock Holmes, there's loads of stuff in India, mm. isn't there? Yeah, the yeah. Sign of Four is an Indian story, isn't it? Yeah. And um, is it the Red Headed League? I think it's like that. Oh, I yeah, know. and in um, the Speckled Band. Speckled Band, yeah. Or oh, watched the other week, which is about a, sm- a snake from India, isn't it? Mm. In fact, actually, I'm sure the first one we've uh, studied in Scarlet is through that, isn't it? With a no, no, that's actually the matter. <laughs> no, that's sort like say that's Utah, N- not connected, obviously. Yeah. No, no, you know, you never know. Um, the, the 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 you know this this marketplace is pretty you wouldn't want to go walk your main there probably now you well definitely not now you would but it's just I was watching it I was thinking look at that guy with them scorpions on his head there's a little girl with like staring out to his snake and then he takes the scorpions off and yeah. sticks them in his mouth yeah you're thinking that's it's a classic uh, device using it's like in the um, like in not a completely different film but in Clash of the Titans mm. uh, when he first goes to that uh, when he goes when he goes to the town <laughs> where the evil the evil sorcerer is he's walking around that town and there was always things like that going on there's always like people yeah. walking on spikes and putting yeah. it's, like, it's a very it's a very great device oh this is a strange place this is a strange place <laughs> this, this isn't kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, we then get the titles and then the titles blend out to the Northern Star building the newspaper um, uh, uh, building in which Woodrow Kipling uh, works a huddled figure walks in and this is who we find is later to but wait he's um, P.G. Carnahan um, who's come to tell his tale to Rudyard Kipling obviously they've met before in which he says you know we made this deal do you remember who I am and he goes Connor mm. 
and he's obviously Peach is looking pretty oh. beaten up. He's, he's got like no eye. He's got no eye in his left eye. He's yeah. all scarred over. He's got sunburn. He's been you yeah. know he looks he looks pretty crap. Um, we then cut to three years earlier as Peach is talking about it when he steals um, Woodyard Kipling's watch at the train station, and as he turns around, he looks at it, and of course the watch has got a Masonic symbol on. And then he thinks, crap, you know, I've got to go and hand it back. So he, what he does, he follows him, he gets on the train, and he tries to put the watch back into his pocket, but of course the train stumbles, and he goes, oh, do you mind if I read your newspaper? And um, and then as he's trying to get the... Um, uh, the He's trying to get it back in it, but another another Indian guy gets on board. Yeah. And uh, this is when Michael Caine tells him to shut up. So we'll play this, uh, this wee sample now. Mr. Clutterbury Das. Failed entrance examination, Calcutta University, 1863. Writer of correspondence for the illiterate general public. Gada. Thank you, sir. Okay, now that's the, that's the killer line, the way that he thanks you. <laughs> well, I, I think it's... Um... That's just what was going on in India at the time, isn't it, really? I think so, yeah, really. <laughs> now, obviously, uh, um, Peachy is now sitting there thinking, how am I going to get this watch back on for this, this Indian guy standing there? And the Indian guy um, starts eating a, a watermelon. And as he's eating the watermelon, he spits it on the floor, then he spits the pips on the floor and drops it down. And uh, then Michael Caine leans forward, well, Michael Caine, Peachy Carnahan leans forward and uh, lets him know what he thinks. Uh, and in the same time, he uh, ends up talking to Woodyard Kipling. This is a big clip, um, but you'll get the gist of what's, of what's going on here. Out the window, Babu. Thank you, sir. Outside, you inky fingered thief. Oh! And I hope you break your dirty neck. Thank you, sir. Good God, man. You might have killed the chap. Serves him right if I had. But we're not making five miles an hour on this grave. <laughs> Why? I caught him stealing your watch. My watch? I say it is my watch. Well, I'm very much obliged to you, Mr. Carnahan, former gunnery sergeant in Her Majesty's forces. Mine's Kipling. May I offer you a drink? Oh, don't mind if I do. You've knocked about India a bit, I take it. You can say that twice. On foot, on horseback, and on camel. But you don't look too green yourself, either. No, I was born in India. A great country. Or was, till the bureaucrats took over and ruined everything. Hope you're not one of them. No, I'm not a bureaucrat. No, I didn't think so. They're usually narrow-chested chaps with long noses for looking down at you. And I've yet to have one of them offer me a drink. Glenn Levitt, 12 years old. You've an educated taste in whiskey? I've an educated taste in whiskey and women, waistcoats and bills of fare. Though I've had few chances to exercise it lately. Because them that govern spend all their time making up new laws to stop men like you and me from getting anywhere. And who's lost is it, eh? Why, England's, of course, because if such as we were given our heads, it wouldn't be 70 million to be making in revenues. It'd be 700 millions, right? Yes, I quite agree, yes. Where are you heading for? Jodhpur. Will you be travelling back along this line? In about ten days' time. Could you make it eight? I must get a message to a man who'll be travelling through Marwa Junction on the Bombay Mail on the night of the 24th. He expects me to meet him there, but I can't. I've got urgent business in the south. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't help you there. Supposing I was to ask you, as a stranger going to the west, to seek for that which was lost, 
what would you say then? I should answer, where do you come from? From the east, and I am hoping that you will give my message on the square for the sake of the widow's son. Which lodge do you hail from? Travelling Lodge 3276, the four and fit. The Queen's own Royal Loyal Light Infantry, Regimental District 329A. To whom shall I deliver the message? Daniel Dravet. Dravet? Yes. A big man with long grey sideboards. A great swell he is. You'll find him surrounded by all his luggage in a first-class compartment. Don't you be afraid. Just slip the window down and say, Peachy's gone south for the week. Peachy's gone south for the week? Yes. And he'll tumble. Well, I'll uh, be getting off now before we reach the station. By the way, Brother Carnahan. I missed my watch in the station at Lahore before boarding the train. How was I to know you were a mason? Now, we should point out there that uh, he does call him a very, very much a, a racist name there, then, doesn't he? I said it's, it's a racial time. term from the Raj time. It, it, you know, I don't think many people would know. I was just saying to you that a modern Indian, if you called him a babu, we don't think he'd know what you meant. But it is a racial term, like a lot of, yeah, yeah. Lot of old ones. So we just, we just put it out there in case you get an influx of people. <laughs> well, no, because you've got to remember what they are. They, yeah, are, they are imperialists. Yeah. They, you know, they, they didn't think much of them. No, exactly, no. And it, but, it, but again, what is... You know, the, the, this film, it's strange because there's a mix... It's very dark comedy in this as well, isn't it? Because the way he kicks that bloke out the door and you hear him go, thank you, so I know, yeah. But also, uh, as well, that you see here, he's very angry. And you just said then, this is the ultimate Michael Caine, angry acting <laughs> all the way through. If you want... You know, oh, yeah. Forget you're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Yeah. This is the best angry acting you've ever It was get. like in, weren't it, on, in the trip when Steve Coogan was doing his, um, he's doing his Michael Caine impression. He did it where he'd go from a whisper to a shout. Yeah. There's no in between with Michael Caine. No, no. He whispers and then shouts really mad. There's, there's a great clip a little bit later on which I've captured in which he's trying to teach the army to do to do counting, you know, yeah, in yeah. time. And he, he does some angry, serious angry acting. In fact, <laughs> I've called the clip angry acting, see there. So, of course, we find out now that um, uh, Peachy and of course Daniel you'll find out later on and Rudyard Kipling are Freemasons they, uh, an order of, um, of a religious practice well, well yeah. then, uh, I don't know they're not really um, not religious as in no, modern day religion they are well, they are their own religious they, you know, do, you know, do you know why they're called stonemasons because they were the supposed to build uh, mm. supposed to build King Solomon's temple in yeah. Jerusalem yeah. that's where that comes from also they're, they're, um, if I'm I might be mistaken you know more about this than what mm. I do but I'm sure that um, the Masonic sign, the the, uh, the oh, not the compass. Yeah, he's like the compass. No, it's um, the compass and the it's a trident yeah, for a uh, yeah. That's a yeah for Matt. Was for um, was found on pyramid. Well, it's on the uh, it's on the US dollar as well. Yeah, well, they're uh, all, it's all C and I. All C and I, but yeah. it, it doesn't mean anything. I, can't, yeah. I don't, don't want to get into a conspiracy. Well, yeah, because the, the conspiracy was wasn't that from what, what uh, that uh, well, Mel, 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 back to Mel back to Mel, Mad Mel Gibson and, he's and, he's, uh, and Dan Brown. Yeah, Dan Brown. Dan Brown. All, all presidents yeah. are members of the All C and I. Yeah, it's just a load. And the big girls are. Now, Rudyard Kipling does indeed hold his pact, and he goes off to find Daniel Dravet, and this is the first time we get to see. Uh, the brilliant Sean Connery. What's this? God's holy trousers. Tickets again. Your name, Dravet, sir. Hmm? I have to say that Peachy has gone south for the week. Uh, 
he's gone south for the week. <laughs> did he say I was to give you anything for telling me this? Because I won't. No, he didn't. Then why did you do it? For the sake of the widow's son. <laughs> he said south, did he? Yes. That'll be the Goomba. Well, since you're a pal of Peaches, I don't mind telling you. We're going to put the screw on the Rajip of what he did to his mother-in-law. Oh? Filled her with red peppers, hung her over a beam and flogged her to death. <laughs> you mean to say that you intend to blackmail him? Oh, man. You wouldn't get out of Dagumber alive. If they don't cut your throats, they'll certainly poison you. Both's been tried more than once, but Peachy and me, we don't kill easy. Yeah, but the, the Raja's an independent ruler. He answers to nobody. <laughs> How do you hope to put the screw on him? By telling him we're correspondents for the Northern Star. You can't! You can't do that! You can't do that! Because I am the correspondent of the Northern Star! You are? I'm the correspondent of the Northern Star! Again, there with some subtle comedy in the background where you're hearing, you're hearing Daddy Joe going, You are? Uh, there's loads of stuff in there's loads of stuff in this film, isn't there? That if you look, there's loads going on in it. That's why I love this film. Yeah. You know, he's multi layered, this film. It really, really is, isn't it? Well, this is the bit there where you see that Kipling obviously does work for the Northern Star, and their downfall in what they're going to do is purely for the fact that Kipling is actually a real correspondent of the Northern Star. So they get captured, but. Um, because Kipling's a Freemason, he asked the governor um, to sort of let him off, you yeah. know, just to, you know, not, not to imprison him, which they, they could do. The governor, a bit of a man for up his own arse, really, isn't he, uh, demands that they come through, and this is a brilliant scene, excellent comedy timing, I think, between Michael scene, Caine yeah. and Connery, and uh, let's hear what um, they have to say about the governors and the British Raj. You men are not under arrest, thanks to Mr Kipling here, who happens to be a genuine correspondent for the Northern Star. But both of you richly deserve to be in jail. I have your records before me. There's everything in them, from smuggling to swindling to receiving stolen goods to barefaced blackmail. Sir, I resent the accusation of blackmail. It is blackmail to obtain money by threats of publishing information in a newspaper. But what blackmail is there in accepting a small retainer for keeping it out of a newspaper? And how did you propose to keep it out? By telling the editor what I know about his sister and a certain government official in these parts. Let him put that in his paper if he has need of news. <clears throat> it would have been wiser if you'd both gone home at the end of your army service. Home to what? A porter's uniform outside a restaurant? And tanner tips from belching civilians for closing cab doors on them and their blousy women? Not for us, thank you. Not after watching Afghans come howling down out of the hills and taking battlefield command when all the officers had copped it. Well said, Brother Travett. There may be no criminal charges against you, but I'll see these files reach Calcutta with the recommendation that you be deported as political undesirables. Detriments to the dignity of the Empire and the Izzat of the Raj. Detriments, you call this? Detriments? Well, I want to remind you it was detriments like us that built this bloody empire and the Izzat of the bloody Raj. That's on. About turn. Finally, quick march. Left. Turn. <laughs> there, 
was no need to let any of this get into the star, I take it, Kipling. Huh? You know. Even uh, Rudyard Kipling uh, giggling, uh, giggling, giggling away there after that one. Uh, that is one of my favourite scenes in the whole film. You used to always do that when we were at school. You were always doing that bloody <laughs> Hats on. Yeah. Um, now, the next scene, we see Kipling at his typewriter, the Northern Star, and Peachy and Danny arrive, and they announce they intend to be kings in a place of war- warming tribes in... Now, I'm probably going to say this wrong, especially as I've got a call, but Kafiristan. Yeah. Uh, now, we'll, say, we'll keep it that way. I do apologize. It's made up, isn't it? It's on. I don't know. Could be. I don't know. Uh, and they intend to uh, take all the little villages and turn them into armies and conquer everywhere and take their spoils. Kipling says they are absolutely out of their minds. But, uh, through, obviously, they've got to travel through Afghanistan. They've got to go through hazardous mountains. The and being two pass, white men. Yeah, the kind of pass. Being two white men, the chances are they are not going to get, uh, get through it. And he heartily... Turns around and says, I'm just lunatics. But Peach produces a contract and they sign it. And uh, Kipling witnesses it, uh, which is obviously what Peach refers to at the beginning yeah, of this yeah. film. And he then bids him good night. Now, Kipling later on is travelling on a cart when he's suddenly stopped and he sees Peachy gesturing to him. Uh, Peachy's kind of like looks very tanned, he did ground up. And Danny, uh, in a. Um, what's he got? He's got a. Um, what's it called now? Um, on his head. Like a fez. Turban. He's got a fez. <laughs> he's got a turban on his head that's Fez my Fez god that'd be a totally different cool. film wouldn't it yeah. Fez is our cool Doctor Who um, but he's wearing a turban and he's dressed as a uh, kind of like a mad priest and that's how they're going to get through the Khyber Pass um, Kipling bids them farewell and I think he says they met on the level and they pass on the square which is a Masonic uh, Masonic saying and just as he goes Kipling stops Daniel and gives him a Masonic symbol to wear around his neck Danny holds this and uh, looks pretty pleased as they go off. Now, PJ explains that they, they do get through the Khyber Pass uh, with Daniel doing tricks and telling their fortune uh, in Daniel's own tongue, so he's pretending to be mad. They do that bit as well where there's that sentry, isn't he? As he walks past him, he goes, Stand to jump! And the guy to spot, the bloke says, uh, and There's another fairly racial thing, I think, because he's an Irish guy. He's drunk again! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they it's like, oh, he's pretty good. Um, they get to the point where they find that the little blue line on the map is actually a huge river. So they trade in their camels for goats and they use the bladders of the goats for airbags. Pretty yeah, ingenious. Yeah, that, that's really good. And they end up getting into the river and getting oversized. But as they're drying themselves, uh, five Afghans turn up. So Peachy pops a rifle, uh, a bullet rifle, a rifle bullet, so yeah. say, uh, in his mouth. And uh, these Afghans could turn along and start checking their boots out, which is a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, right. yeah, it's that weird thing, isn't it? Yeah, the boy keeps staying at the shoe. It's the always shoes, the yeah. shoes, isn't it? Yeah. So Peachy spits out the bullet into the fire, which obviously goes off, uh, surprising the Afghans. And then they smack him around the head. And now the horses do bolt, but they run after them and get them, don't they? Yeah, it's unrealistic. <laughs> it's a bit unrealistic, but they do get them. They then, we then see them, I mean, obviously this is over a certain amount of time and it's, it's cutting to it. Uh, they get to the cold mountains and it's very, very cold, a bit like England. Though. Danny goes snow blind, so it's Peachy who's leading Danny uh, on the journey, which is something Danny forgets a little bit later on. He does, he says, yeah. You should follow me. They come to like two giants, which uh, Peachy shoots at, but then they realise that they're actually two large statues. Um, they then become to a large, it's just a massive crevasse, isn't it, on the journey? There's no way across it. The snow's coming down, right. they've got no food, it looks like really they it, are. It, it's die. the end, you think, they yeah. think they're going to die, don't they? I think they? they're going to die, and, and Danny asks him to, to finish them off, doesn't he? But yeah. we've got the clip of this, which um, we'll, we'll play right now. That's the last of them, Peachy. No more gods to find. It looks like last post, Danny. 
I don't fancy dying by inches. Getting the cold, keeping up my arms and legs. Getting all numb. I'll do the uh, necessary when the fire goes out. Fair enough. And it a bloody shame, though, eh? Our getting this close and not making it. The stones throw away our kingdom. I'd have liked to see you, Danny, with a gold crown on your head. If we could have found one that fitted it. <laughs> Peachy, in your opinion, have our lives been misspent? Well, that depends on uh, how you look at it. I wouldn't say the world's a better place for our having lived in it. Oh, hardly that. Nobody's going to weep their eyes out at our demise. And who'd want them to anyway? We have a many good deeds to our credit. None. None to brag about. But how many men have been where we've been? And seen what we've seen? Bloody few. And that's a fact. Well, even now, I wouldn't change places with the Viceroy himself if it meant giving up my memories. Me neither. <laughs> do, you, do you remember the time the Highlanders was retreating down the hill and Ali was and Pipe Major McQuinnan got his sparring shot off. <laughs> Half a crown was in it, right? <laughs> so Baggy goes after it without even looking to see if that was all he lost. <laughs> and then he got the Victoria, Victoria Cross, Cross because the bloody island has turned around and followed him up the hill. <laughs> 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 So they were laughing there, Cal, laughing away, knowing they're going to die, and this causes a huge avalanche, which you just heard there, and this, of course, blocks over the crevasse. A little bit of luck. So yeah, like, yeah. mm. Well, this is where you've got in this film that they, st- as you go further on into the story, where they believe they've got divine right, because yeah. everything works well, Dan- for them. Danny does, doesn't he? Danny does, does yeah. doesn't he? He yeah. thinks that they are on a God-given mission to do this. Yeah, to become you know, become like gods. Now, they get across the crevasse, and as they come along, they find a, a small group of village people, children and women, um, washing and washing their clothes, and they get attacked by... These strange people dressed in uh, devil masks. Aren't yeah, they? it's brilliant. So Danny and Peachy pop them off uh, behind uh, a load of uh, rocks, and uh, they grab one of the hostages and walk to the village, thinking they're going to be like a welcome. They suddenly get attacked by spears yeah. and stones, uh, but then uh, someone pops up uh, out of the building, and this is where we first introduced to Billy Fish. Bloody chick! Where's their gratitude? I say, I say there. Are you Englishmen, please? Son of bleeding crows. Yes, mate. And who might you be? You just wait one jiffy. Rifleman, Machender Bahadur Gurung, known to my regiment as Billy Fish. Is that right? Well, report, Rifleman. What are you doing here, wherever here is? Oh, I come with Colonel Robertson, sir. The geographer's party? Oh, dear me, alas, by Jove. Party not reaching Erheb for very misfortunate reasons. 
large mountain is falling on the heads of Colonel Robertson and others. Everybody buried alive, except your servant. What about them up there? Banging drums and blowing horns and then shooting arrows at us. Oh, big noise intended to scare away devils. Many devils here these days, you know. They thought we was devils? Oh, Kafiristan people's very ignorant. I say to headman Uta, I say, oh no, by Jove, they're not devils. They're Gorashabs, British soldiers. Good man, Billy Fish. And now, if you'll take us to this Utah bloke, we will begin his education. Okay, so they uh, go into this village where they meet uh, Umlau, which is really, he's just a cowardly bloke, isn't he? Oh, he's he, back he, to the village. He doesn't have much luck, to be fair. No, no, he's terrible. <laughs> um, they, <laughs> he kind of like, he's, got, he's really weird looking as well, this bloke, the leader of the village. He's bald-headed with no teeth at the front. And he kind of like... Yeah, he doesn't look like a leader, does he? No, not at all, really. They are like a very cowardly place. But um, they do decide that they'll build an army out of the villages for a small retainer. Uh, they hand the hostage over to Billy Fish, who explains, uh, oh, that's nice, the women will now cut his bollocks off. Yeah, yeah. Which I found really funny that he said there were bollocks. Bollocks, yeah, yeah. But the thing about Billy Fish is he's part of the British well, army, isn't he? It was, so? um, yeah, the, uh, well, in the... The proper term for that was a sepoy. A sepoy was an Indian person who fought in the British army. Mm. And uh, they were loyal people. Oh, they were, yeah, yeah. And um, remember, the, the, the Gurkhas were sepoys. Well, and, and the Sikhs, yeah. and the Sikhs were sepoys. Yeah. Well, yeah, Billy Fish is meant to be a Gurkha. He's meant to be an Gurkha. Yeah, yeah. Jeff is an, an Indian actor. Um, they end up watching a tribal polo game in which the head of the hostage is the ball, which is a bit... That's, a yeah. that's where it come from, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. And then we cut to Danny teaching uh, how to march, and then we cut to Peachy, who's trying to teach them timing. Now, this yeah. is where <laughs> we get to hear some classic Michael Caine <laughs> angry acting. Now, the timing in the British Army has always been... One, two, three. One, two, three. You said it again about one... Some classic angry acting there, Cal. And uh, we just said there, didn't he, that it, it does sound like he's trying to do an impression of himself. It sounds like someone doing an impression of Michael Caine. Yeah. Doesn't it? It's like Phil Cornwell doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't, isn't it? it? It is. Yeah, and or Paul Whitehouse doing it. It's a, it's a weird thing, isn't it, that <laughs> he become 
This is why a lot of people don't like Michael Caine, though, don't they? Because he became a character of a caricature of himself. Not, not, not so much now, is it? No, no, but I think there was a stage where people. There's a lot, you know, when we were growing younger, yeah. it was quite naff to like Michael Caine, wasn't it? I, I, was, defi- I defied that. Yeah, but he wasn't a cool actor, was no, he? No. He just blue, wasn't. Blue eyes. Yeah, it was all them films. On Deadly Ground with Steven Seagal. It was Jaws, the bloody revenge. Ooh, I think Jaws finished people like, that didn't wasn't, it? That wasn't a good film. But the, the problem with him, the problem with him. He's done some classic films, but he's done an equal amount of terrible films. Yeah. Now, you think of Sean Connery. He hasn't done loads of rubbish, has he? Zardoz. Oh, I love Zardoz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. yeah, but with a penis. No, his <laughs> most terrible film is Bloody League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, which that's because has it got, is, yeah, it's yeah. got all the ingredients for a good film, that has. What's, what would you say is your favourite Sean Connery film? N- none that's non-Jazz Bond. Because no, any, any, what? Well, uh, no, I don't because yeah, 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 yeah. you don't have to act. I don't, I, I don't know what people say. I don't people yeah. are just me, but you don't have to act in James Bond. You're playing James Bond. Yeah. Um, my favourite Sean Connery film, I think it's this. Really? It's this, but I, you know, you just said oh, I love Zardoz because it's absolutely <laughs> mental. Yeah. Uh, I'd say them too, but I also love um, I love the Untouchables. I know he's playing a, a really he's playing an Irish, Irish American Scots accent, but I think he's wicked in it. Uh, and when he dies it's yeah. really sad scene in that film it's really horrible yeah, when he's yeah. been shot by that the Sicilian bloke it's a really sad bit what about yours? First Great Train I believe it's really good. It's got Wayne Sleep in it. With Wayne Sleep and Donald Sutherland. That's a really good film, that isn't it? It's just an all round great and so he looks like he's having a, having fun. And with Connery, That's I what think, you want with Connery, yeah, don't you? It's a lock he's enjoying himself. With Connery, I mean excuse me. With Connery, he is who he is, he's never changed. No. And we, okay, his views on certain things, like when you turn around and said, Oh, women should have a slap but they only ever play that bit when he explains what, and we're not justifying this obviously but when he, when he actually says well no sometimes they can, they can I think he's on about being hit by women I think but um, he doesn't he didn't, that's what he believes it's, it's you know oh he's not, he's not one thing about him he, he'd not been changed by Hollywood or any because I think he was the same when he was younger wasn't oh, he yeah absolutely he was he's, a bit rough around the edges yeah, wasn't he like, yeah. he's very sexy he's always been sexist yeah oh. thought, would you, would you, did you, you think I said sexy, sexy then? then I thought no. what are you dropping um, out there uh, <laughs> He's, no, he's always been quite sexist, and but he's what you class as. Yeah. A, he's a Scottish Navy guy. Yeah, yeah. Ta- I just like the way that he's always on about uh, he's Scottish, Scottish independence when he lives in the Bahamas. He's been in Marbella <laughs> for the past thirty years. But I, I found a, a clip of him on the anniversary of this of this very film with Sahih Jaffe, and he does look really old. We were now, talking about this. Because you, know. you told me this, I went to look for it on yeah, YouTube, yeah. and I've, it's shocking hmm. because you think of him as tough, yeah. big. Bloke. Big, big, tough, Scottish he's, fra- guy. he's really frightening. His voice, isn't it? He's his got voice really is frail dropped, voice. Yeah, now whether he's had some problems with his voice, but of course the but thing how is, how old is he? Oh, he's, he's in his late seventies. So the thing is, of course, is that like Michael Caine, who is still very prolific on our screens, with obviously the Batman films, this new one with the Rock that's just come out, whatever it is, he's got a beard in it. Uh, he was filming that when I met him. Um, because he's always on the screen, you kind of get used to how Michael Caine looks. Yeah, he's if, aged, doesn't yeah, he? Like, if we'd sit like, when was Connery's last? This probably was *Legal Extraordinary Gentleman*, uh, or *Entrapment*, maybe something like that. That's going to be ten time. years yeah. ago, isn't it? So that's the last time we saw him. When he looked, he, he did retire, didn't he? he did retire. Yeah, he has officially retired. Yeah, like Gene Hackman, isn't it? When's the last time you saw Gene Hackman? Yeah, Gene Hackman must be knocking on a bit. I, I, I can't think of the last time I saw. I, was, I, I watched the Royal Tenenbaums. <coughs> uh, um, 
at Christmas and he's in that and I thought oh and that film was 11 years ago yeah. I have not saw him since but as you say I mean and I suppose it's a little bit nothing wrong why can't you ever saw you oh yeah exactly but as we said like Connery has not really changed his, his views on anything you know he's, he's, he's remained steadfast yeah. in his I mean we don't honestly I don't agree with that but especially his comments about women but you have to admire someone who sticks to his guns and doesn't go down to Hollywood oh yeah let's be friends let's love everyone well, to me he was the last the last type of like Oliver Reed and Lee Marvin and mm. all them kind of there's none of them around now is there who, 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 I was saw this with my wife the other night about uh, you know actors who were men yeah, like yeah. now uh, uh, most actors want to look boyish they want to look younger constantly Clearly. look younger yeah, Clean is the only one who looks like he looks like a man. He look, yeah, he looks he's, his well, age. Clean is the Cammy Grant, isn't he? Of our modern generation, like, yeah, because he looks good. You can also do a little bit, well, as, you know, as, as rough around the edges as Clean you can get. But look what he was with his Simiana. Yeah, he looks. You know, he's, he's put a lot of weight on for that. Uh, and he, let's face it, he's an amazing actor. Clearly, he's probably the last one we got as proper men actors. Proper look like, like a bloke. If a bloke, a bloke actor, yeah, not all this like you know like. The young kids that are coming through now. It's sort of Channing Tatum and mm. all these kind of just look like potatoes and links. Favorite Michael Caine film? From a Michael Caine film, good question. Mm. Um, Do you want to come back to that? No, I know what it is. Oh, go on, then. It's the Eagle Has Landed. Oh wow! Okay, I absolutely love the Eagle Has Landed. It's a complete ridiculous film. Mm. Do, you do not ever believe him as a Nazi for one second in that film. <laughs> no. But there's something about him in that film. I think is a man. I'm a big Michael Caine fan. Mm. It's only his eighties films I don't like. Yeah, but his seventies stuff and it's his sixties stuff. I love the Chris Fire as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, I don't so much like the. I don't like Bill and Della Brown. Protocol. It's, it's, it's alright it's a bit of an 80s TV movie yeah it's, he's a he's a, I like him in that Jack the Ripper thing that we saw when, yeah. we, were, when we were young that was on ITV when yeah. we were in the 80s wasn't it yeah. uh, but no I, I know it's very easy to say the Italian job but mm. I've sort of a bit done with the Italian job to be honest about it I, yeah. I, I sort of say, I mean, it's not Zulu I would say Zulu but the, it has been better more cocaine films than Zulu Zulu's an amazing film mm. but he's been better in than he is in Zulu yeah I mean uh, do you want scoundrels I think yeah but my favourite is Get Carter bloody hell I've completely forgot about that yeah. he's got to be Get Carter he? I yeah, can't I think, think of a better and we haven't covered that yet no I'm like I said I can't think of a better uh, better British gangster film than Get Carter I think it's the better that that and then Long Good Friday yeah oh, that is apart the, from and, 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 I mean 70s style because we could, you could say Brian Mark couldn't you but I mean going away from that I've done true gangster film I think yeah. funny enough we just talked about uh, thingy earlier what, what, what Mark came from were we talked about earlier I really like and you said you don't like it oh um yeah, come back to me <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, we, yeah, we, we're, we're talking about now. yeah okay yeah, back <laughs> to uh, Man Who Would Be King <coughs> oh apologies again I know it was oh go on then it was uh, Mona Lisa Mona Lisa, yeah. If you want a different yeah, yeah. Michael Caine role, no, I mean, I, I don't, I do like Mona Lisa, but it's one of those. Fact, if anyone I, hasn't, I know what it is. It works because the reason why I don't, I'm not, a, and I do like it. I think it's great, but you know, when you sit down, and you think oh, I don't want to watch a film. Mona Lisa's not the one I want to put. I can say, if anyone out there is fans of Michael Caine, I'd, I'd say mainly people in the states or Europe, because I think people in Britain would have saw Mona Lisa. If you want a different Michael Caine performance. I know a lot of people think Michael Caine is a one-trick pony. Yeah, he's a nice guy. He shouts. You want to see an evil mm. bastard? There's yeah. no way of saying it. He is an evil, well, a pimp, horrible bloke in yeah. that, and he's also and he's the worst as well because he's with a smile on his mm. face. 
if you want to yeah, say like uh, an well. evil role in that and I think he should have done more of that but that's not his fault because I saw that documentary he was never offered roles like that nah. for years was he I think he's brilliant in that he is brilliant in that and also Bob Hoskins really pulls his acting chops out in that and of course a very, very unknown Kathy Tyson yeah, it's, well. it's a grim film though there's no yeah. if you want the se- you know oh god yeah. it's about the sex industry in Britain sex industry but also it's very realistic of what our seaside resorts look like at that point it, it's, 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 it's the, everything's right about Britain at the time just really horrible isn't it horrible place anyway let's get back to the film yeah. so <coughs> I so apologise for people who are me coughing but there you go um so yeah anyway they've got the army they go out to go and attack um, the, the devil people that they class as and as they get there they suddenly both sides all drop to the floor as five holy men go past them and they're thinking what the hell's going on here because oh it's holy men you know we can't fight we have to wait and they've got their eyes closed because they don't want to see any, any they're a bit like the world. they're a bit like the Omni <laughs> from Holy Grail yeah yeah they're harsh yeah <laughs> anyway um, they go and suddenly the fight starts off and Peachy brings these two lines out to start shooting and then Danny goes off a little bit before timing doesn't he he just goes oh I'm off and uh, Peachy's not too happy about that and so Peachy actually does tell Danny off and it's a bit like a mum telling his kid <laughs> yeah, yeah. what may I ask did you think you were playing it charging the enemy single handed I got carried away here of the moment the blood was up acting like some green lieutenant hoping to be mentioned in dispatches a man of your age sorry. you ought to be ashamed of yourself sorry supposing you got killed eh supposing that where would I be at won't happen again. See it, don't you? What you carrying that arrow around for? A bit more, a bit more angry acting there for Michael Caine, and you also heard that he's carrying an arrow. Now, what's happened is Danny's been shot by an arrow, but of course it hit his uh, his gun belt, so he hasn't bled anything like that. And everyone kind of like they all bow down, didn't they? Because I think what the, what the hell's uh, he's good imper- yeah, he's like he's impervious to anything. I just think it, it, it's really good because. It, it shows you it's so serious but they're taking it like uh, he's taking it Danny like a game isn't he yeah, yeah. Peach is the one who understands the seriousness of it Danny can't can he because nah. Danny's like a little kid really in this film isn't he, he is a bit, he's yeah, headstrong he's, he doesn't yeah. think things through and he kind of like he, causes he, all the trouble yeah, as we'll go on we'll later go on. Out, yeah. now they get into the compound and uh, they find that Ula is about to cut off uh, one of their no he heads. says I want to lop off his head I, lop I off always love that I always like it. he wants to lop off his head <laughs> but Danny stops him and then says there will be no burning of the villages but they will spare them as long as they have half of their possessions and they come into their own army and this is how they start to build their army up now you want to know something about like this this is um, this is a great thing this is this bit of the film and the whole story is how we, why we're a, we are Kipling got was this is the metaphor for how the British Empire conquered India. Yeah. Because the interesting thing with the when when I don't, I don't do you mind me a bit of history? In it? No, you go right. ahead. <coughs> right, the thing that conquered India was not an army. It was a thing called the, the it was called the Indian Trading Company. Mm-hmm. The Indian trade was a bloke called Clive Wellesley or Clive of India. He's one of my heroes, Clive of India. Well, basically, they were a private enterprise. They conquered uh, uh, India with a thousand men. Right. Right. Now, how did they, people say how did they conquer India with a thousand men? Because they went to the enemy's enemy is my friend, and that's what they did. Uh. That's what they did. The, the the first war with a Raj, they beat the Raj. Said, right, we'll spare you if you come with us and take on the next Raj. Mm. Put their men in so, first, yeah, so it's building spread, blo- building spread all Empire, through it? India, yeah. and said basically India was run by fifty thousand civil servants. 
No <laughs> armies. Fifty thousand civil servants from India, and that's why yeah. that was the. That's how Britain. I'm not saying this is a good or a bad thing. This is how we conquered three quarters well, of the it's world. Better than slaughtered everybody. Isn't it, it? Let them slaughter each other. Yeah. And that's what the English mentality was. And we're trying to do it now in Afghanistan. And that's what we did there. You had the Northern Alliance. We backed the Northern Alliance to mm. fight the Taliban. Not fighting the Taliban. It was the Northern Alliance. Let yeah. them but the thing then is to get out of control. Well, and that's yeah. the thing. But that, that, that bit is really important in this story. Mm. If anyone are historical fans, you can read all about it. The British Empire, that's how we conquered India. With a thousand men. You're not just a man in a... Uh... You know, yeah, well, Kenny Rogers yeah, jumper yeah, yeah. there. Huh? Ah, a little bit of history there. Let us let us not say we don't bring you the goods on this on this program. Um, so yeah, so they get their army together now. <coughs> Danny tells Billy because all the 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 people there, um, because Danny got shot with the arrow and he doesn't bleed, they all start to think he's some kind of god. So Danny tells Billy he better explain that there's a misunderstanding. But Peachy says we could work this to their advantage it's a very important bit of this yeah. this little could have gone anyway in this story yeah, couldn't yeah. it but if he turned around and said look tell him it's a misunderstanding they would have got there you know they would have carried on going around and, uh, but Peter said the ticket to their advantage and he turns around and says you know if an army's going to follow us then they're going to follow a god and then they can go from village to village to gather their you know, spoils. But they like don't it. understand, really, <coughs> how important religion is to these people. No. And this is it again, isn't it? They're, the, the they're godless, thing. really, aren't they? Well, considering they're masons, they should understand but the order of what they but do. But they don't, really. They, 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 are, kind of well, they're, that. they are, there's no doubt. They are a pair of rogues, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, scallywags. They, they are, they're, they're not. They're not, not they're not, they're not, they're not now at one point a young girl offers uh, offers some goods and uh, you know looks very sexy and this is a girl called Roxanne who uh, Danny takes a bit of an eye this is actually Shakira Kane Michael Kane's oh, she does wife. be beautiful uh, she, that's it she, stuck, look, she looks stunning now and he picked her from a TV he was TV, from a Nescafe ad yeah he was what was it he was sitting on his own wasn't he because he was getting old and he thought I have to stop him more because he didn't want to be seen as the oldest swinger in town nah, did he Michael Kane and he looked and said they'll be my wife didn't yeah. they and he sought her out and married her yeah, that's what being, being, and people say oh, it's nothing to do with being a millionaire film star. Oh, no, 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 yeah. But she was a mo- she was a top model and she was uh, you know in her own right. And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and she was in she's in a Star Trek as well. Was she in Star Trek? No, I don't think she was. No, no. When she in a undiscovered country? No, no, I know who you mean. No, no, she wasn't. No, I know, oh, no, I know someone else's. No, 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 no. I know who you mean. No, it wasn't that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can see who you'd think. But is it a, a man and a man? Yeah, I, thought, yeah. I can't remember. But uh, David, Bowie's wife. David, 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 wife. Yeah, but yeah, Shakira came and came. Still very, uh, very much happy together. Um, then the holy men appear again, and they seem to be upset that the man's pretending to be a god. And the holy men say that they must go and see the high priest. Uh, Danny's not too happy to go with it, but again, Peter says they should go because if they turn around and say that they're not going to go then it looks like they're being cowards towards the high priest so they do indeed go you didn't get to see the high priest who's a well you know stereotypically a high priest and they prepare to shoot Danny but Peachy suddenly stops them and they get you know really you know they're overall by all the people aren't they they can't get away from this the high priest takes a huge knife I mean it's a ridiculous yeah. knife they rip open Danny's tunic and is about to stab him when suddenly the priest sees the mason symbol that was given to him by Rudyard Kipling now the high priest then believes that Danny is indeed the son of their god, uh, which is also comes from of course Alexander the Great. Well, this is the big thing about it. Uh, you know, there's a massive thing now that um, they did a uh, they did a genetic thing on Alexander, and he was in Afghanistan. Mm. And this is why, if you look at Afghanistan people from up the northern part, they don't look anything like Arabs. No. They've got Asiatic looks. 
They, they, they do look like because Alexander. What well, the <coughs> myth about Alexander that he was Greek? No. He wasn't Greek. He was Macedonian. Mm. It's a very different place. Because yeah, in this in this film, they actually do turn around and say, if they, if it, when talking about him being a Greek, uh, PG turns around and says, if the bloody Greeks can do it, we yeah. can. So it's a, you know, but it's a real nice little tie to that. And there is indeed, as we said earlier on, the Mason symbol on a rock, which only the high priest knows about. So the priest places a crown on Danny's head, which is apparently the crown used by Alexander the Great, and a golden arrow, and they show to a room, a large to do with wall fires, and this room is absolutely oh. full of gold coins, plates, jewels, and they pick oh, up one red ruby, don't it's they? It's like a comedy. When you like it, like it, you think when you're a kid, you're a pirate's booty, don't you? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's just, oh my God. Yeah, it's like, obviously, the daddy picks up that ruby and he goes, look at the size of that ruby. Yeah. And then Michael Caron, well, Peachy goes, ah, bloody, look at the size of that. And it's huge, isn't it? It's oh. absolutely huge. Think, oh my Lord. Now, they could fill their pockets and go, and he doesn't see say, Peachy says, we have to fill our pockets and we can walk out of here, but they have to stay for four months because of the incoming weather. Now, this is the point where Danny starts to turn because he starts to believe in his own he does he believes in his like all all leaders or so called big leaders hmm. they start believing in the south yeah it's their own hype isn't it Peachy it? knows it's a lie hmm. doesn't he where Danny Danny knows it's a lie but he doesn't want to believe it anymore nah, he believes that everything that's gone on they're getting through the Khyber Pass they've got nothing to go back to and this is what is they've got nothing to go back to nah. they want all this money but they've got, they've got no family no one yeah. likes them the government are after, they've got nothing to go back to and Danny knows this doesn't mm. he he can see he knows this he thinks he's better off there exactly yeah and he, he then starts to turn around his village by having a council and he's solving their problems and this is just one of them and this is the naughty wife and the sheep clip not as rude as you might think <laughs> my lord these people are from village of Kamdesh this man owns 60 cows all cows in the village. Very enterprising of him. Enterprise is not his. Enterprise is hers. She's his wife, you see. And every time he catches her with other mans, other mans has to pay a forfeit of six cows. Is Kafri custom. Use other man's wife, pay him six cows. You mean he's piled up a fortune of 60 cows out of her infidelities? And 32 goats. She ain't a wife. She's a going concern. And these are the unfaithful husbands. And these are the wives. Those four, wives of one man. These three, wives of another. Those six, of another. Ha! This ain't no laughing matter. Without cattle, there ain't no meat, no hides, no hooves, no horns. And without milk, there ain't no butter, no cheese, and the children's bowls go empty. Outrageous it is. Now, for encouraging his wife, to comport herself like Jezebel, one cow should be paid each of the other wives. For using a good law for a bad purpose, another. For causing the young and innocent to go without a third. And for thinking he can get away with it, a fourth. He shall pay 22 cases of compensation of four cows to each wife, which means she's got... 14 and two-thirds. 14 and two-thirds more infidelities to commit to come out even. And her husband see how he likes it when she's earning cows for somebody else. Next case. Now, just after this bit, um, Danny asks Peachy to just come and have a little word with him. And Danny asks Peachy to... Well, he suggests that you should bow down to him as well. So, just so that he looks good in front of the people. 
And Peach's look on his face is sort of like... Well, you know what? it's not about that. No, no. It's about him. He wants to be... Literally, he wants to well, be a, a god, doesn't he? That's the one he wants to be above Peachy, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Peachy, out the two, Peachy's the one who's got the brain. Well, as he said, who was it who led you along with he's the got, blind? He's got Peachy, the brain. Yeah. Danny's, Danny's a bit stupid, really, isn't he? When it comes down, he's brave, mm. but he's a bit stupid, yeah, really, isn't he? Yeah. So, um, Danny then gives Bill the task of building the bridge across so that you know they can travel easy enough uh, backwards and forwards. Peachy then sees the geese flying north and that in two weeks they can actually go but Danny then suddenly turns around and says he doesn't want to go. Uh, he says the bandages have been removed from his eyes and he can see what his destiny is and Danny wants a wife as a king should. Now he forgets now that he's actually meant to be a god. Not He's not a king, he's a god. And he wants to take Roxanne. Now Danny and Peachy argue about this and Peachy says I'm going to go, I'm just going to leave and he goes fine and just leave him. So they're actually breaking up their friendship here. And Danny is he's not going to go. He announces to the holy men he intends to have a wife. Uh, the priests are totally against it, and they say uh, uh, Imbra must decide. Imbra is their holiest of holy gods. Uh, Billy Fish tells Peachy that Imbra must be angry because the milk has dried up, the corn is dying, and uh, and that the fish that are opening up is turning green. But Peachy says, "Well, they're probably just hitting the spleen. That's why he is. Well, no, Danny's not a god." But quite clearly, people aren't happy. Um, Roxanne is brought to them uh, in the time to the temple and it's a bit like there's loads of people like the women are flailing with, with sorrow aren't they because the way they believe it is that if a, a human touches a king a, a god she's going to burst into flame yeah yeah so obviously you're going to be a little bit scared well they don't it? They, say again, they just don't understand that no. it's like a big game again isn't it yeah yeah. they don't get what what, 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 like. what you know which yeah, again is you know is Roy R. Kipling having a go at imperialism yeah. that we don't understand these people we think they're stupid yeah. but they're not stupid they've just got their own they've beliefs got their own, their own, but yeah. as, uh, as you know as Relevant to them as they are mm. to them, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and we, yeah, just say it's, it, it still happens today, doesn't yeah, it? Oh, yeah, although we are better at that now, I think. Oh yeah, well, yeah. you know, you, you watch it in Afghanistan. We do understand that yeah. you can't treat them like Western people because no, no, they're, no, they're, they're, they're not Western people. They're not Western people. No, 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 no. And you can't, you might not agree with their beliefs, no, like, their you know, beliefs. but it's theirs, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, now, Peachy pops in finally to say goodbye. Uh, there's a bit of a commotion going on outside, and uh, this is the clip where Danny, uh, sorry, where Peachy says goodbye to Danny. Well, Danny. The time has come, as the saying goes. When do you leave? At first light. I uh, thought you might like to take a peek in the boxes before I nail them shut. See what I'm taking. Take what you like. I weigh the gold out, pound for pound, the gems out for ounce, every jump tittle. Right. I'll, uh, I'll only need half the mules we planned, but I would like to take all 20 riflemen. It's me safe through the car and pass. Take him. Take him. God's holy trousers. What is that? There's savages here, one and all. Leave them to go back to slaughtering babes and playing stick a ball with one another's heads and pissing on their neighbours. Please, Danny. For the last time of asking, come back with me. For the last time of answering, I won't. Pitchy, I know you've got my best interests at heart, but the choice has been made. I'll be seeing you then, eh? In London, maybe. 
when the Queen gives you the order of the garter. Okay, there's a, I don't know what's going on there. You, you're going to get the impression that they're killing babies, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if they are or something, but it's uh, it's when we watched this last night. Um, you know, Natalie said, "Are they killing babies now?" So I'm not not too sure. So anyway, Peachy does indeed stay um, for the wedding. Another bad move there. Uh, the Temple Street is full of people. There's flower petals laid on the floor, and Roxanne is brought forward. She looks almost zombified, don't you think? She's got her eyes are like. Do you know it's that. a bit like it's a bit like uh, his scene in Time Bandits. Yeah, it is a bit, isn't it? Don't you think? You know, I was reading um, last. I watched Time Bandits last week. This is what I'm saying because I love Time Bandits. Oh, I think it's a like cool. I said, I think we should do a Teddy Gilliam. Yeah. Should do a Teddy Gilliam podcast. Yeah. I would like to. But anyway, I was watching it last. Time Bandits one. Tom Bandits is amazing film, Tom Bandits. Oh, my, uh, you know easy controversial thing best children's movie ever made I think so Ooh, anyway yeah, I just suppose it is yeah, yeah. anyway but loads of I was reading I watched it and I thought oh, I'm going to look at some of their fan forums to see what it's like about Time Bandits and loads of people hate the Sean Connery bit in it it's my favourite bit in it I think it's my favourite you know what Connery relishes that part doesn't he when I was a kid <laughs> that's the kind of adventure I wanted to really go on do you want to know a fact no a Connery know. fact yeah. well, then. you know the beginning of Highlander where he goes for the dormant of time we have come for that you know it's got a strange echo in it you yeah. know why what? he recorded that in his bog in Spain <laughs> how amazing how amazing because I filmed it and he couldn't be bothered to go back so he phoned them up and went oh for the dormant of time <laughs> <laughs> only <laughs> Sean Connery would do that yeah. <laughs> thank you for the thank you for the films that for giving me that it's anyway but it's a lot, I think that scene sort of looks like that you know when he's first yeah, when, the, yeah, when he goes yeah, to yeah, sleep and he's going to be his kid he's going to be his son yeah, yeah. and he's walking down that thing it's all really scary there's all the going oh yeah, and all throwing the petals out. It's a lot like that's that scene. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna oh, that scene's a lot like that scene. Yeah, because that 85 is... Yeah, yeah. 82, 84, something like that. Oh, I want to go and watch Tom, Tom Bandits. Tom Bandits is amazing. Okay, you. Tom Bandits will be a waffle on. There we go. Um, so, yeah, so Roxanne comes up, uh, comes forward. She looks faint. She nearly faints. Uh, Danny holds her. And as he brings her forward to kiss her... Oh, he puts a ring on her finger. Uh, and he kisses her. She bites him and draws blood. The high priest puts his finger on Danny's face and begins to shout that this must be a human. So, this is... Uh, game's up then. So, Peachy then tells Danny they've got to walk on, they've got to brassy out, and they make their way out of the temple amid the cries of outrage from the people. Slowly, the crowd erupts and they chase after them. Peachy gets his wife and men to fire at them, the brain crowd, but there's just too many of them, and slowly they are outnumbered. Billy, uh, Peachy shouts to Billy Fish to ru- uh, run away, but Billy refuses, saying that he's never left his post yet. And they tear him to pieces. He's the, the, yeah, he's, the, he's the true brave one. Yeah. Yeah, it comes down to it. They run. Yeah, he doesn't run. He run. He runs at them. Um, Peach and Danny are then surrounded. They're out of ammo, and the high priest comes forward. And Danny, Danny then uh, apologises to Peachy. So let's hear Danny say that to Peachy. Peachy, I'm heartily ashamed for getting you killed instead of going home rich like you deserve to, on account of me being so bleeding high and bloody mighty. Can you forgive me? That I can. And that I do, Danny. Free and full, and without let or hindrance. Everything's all right, then. So the, uh, the crowd there, they take Danny. Uh, he's still wearing his crown. He puts his crown on his head, doesn't he? And uh, they make him walk across the centre of the bridge. Uh, George Lucas, you this from uh, for Temple of Doom. Yeah. Uh, and as they get to the in the middle of the bridge, Peachy's held back, and uh, Danny shouts to them, "Cut it, damn you!" And they cut the bridge, and slowly you see him fall to his death. 
Um, Poochie carries on singing the song uh, amid tears and it slowly fades out back to um, older Peachy with Rudyard Kipling. And we're just going to play his end words now, which actually does finish the film. An old Danny film. Round and round and round and round. Like a penny whirly dick. 20,000 miles. For it took him half an hour to fall before he struck the rocks. And do you know what they did to Peachy? They crucified him, sir, between two pine trees, as Peachy's hands will show. Poor, poor Peachy, who'd never done them any harm. He just hung there, and he screamed, but he didn't die. And the next day they come, and they took him down, and they said it was a miracle he wasn't dead, and they let him go. And Peachy come home in about a year. And the mountains, they tried to fall on old Peachy. But he was quite safe because Daniel walked before him. And Daniel never let go of Peachy's hand. And Peachy never let go of Daniel's head. His head? You knew Danny, sir. Oh, yes. You knew most worshipful brother, Daniel Dravet, Esquire. Well, he became the king of Kafiristan with a crown on his head. And that's all there is to tell. I'll be on my way now, sir. I've got urgent business in the south. I have to meet a man at Marwell Junction. And right at the very end of the film there, um, you see, uh, what's in old uh, Peachy leaves Danny's head on the table. It's a great-looking skull, isn't it, really? It's he sad, looks a little bit like... Uh, it's sad, it's, uh, a sad, oh, it's, a sad, it's a sad ending, isn't it, for me? I, I, it, oh, I know right. it's meant to be sad, but, it, it, you know, it's not his own fault, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. You That's know, the thing, it, isn't it? You know, Magic that, that could have got out of all that money. Yeah, without the greed. People would have that. thought of him as gods, but he couldn't. No. And Peter being crucified, and, and then, you know, and it's three years later. And that's that's how the film ends. Uh, it's quite nice how it ends that way because there's no real ultimate happy ending apart from you know that Peach is still alive. But Woodyard Kipping sitting there and obviously writes the story. So that's the end of the end of the film. Um, it's a classic, isn't it? it, it and like I said, if anyone's not seen it, like especially in the states. You've got to see if you haven't seen because it's, it's a John Huston movie. Yeah. John Huston was the classic uh, American directors, you know, you know, the king of westerns. I, I know people don't think of him as uh, making other films bar westerns, but this mm. it's got a western sort of feel to it in a way. The way it's yeah, some of the some yeah, of the shooting things. Yeah, are, you know, yeah. he's got all the vistas and all that. But it is a really great film. It's a proper boy's own adventure. You know, boy's own adventure. When we were growing up, it's the kind of films that were always on. And it's always on every Christmas because weirdly the last two years ago is where we first come up with doing this when we were on Christmas Day it was on weren't it? Yeah. It was on again at Christmas last it's it's a I think it's an amazing film it's one of my favourite one of my favourite films it is. It's just an all round good package and although it's on for quite a long time it doesn't It's not very violent No no it doesn't really There's no swearing in it there's no sex in it No no no, no it, is, it is just really good so that's that one anyway uh, we did say we were going to do a bit of housekeeping did we not go on then uh, we've got a Facebook group page over on of course obviously 
Facebook. So if you fancy join it, please come over there. We'll approve you. Uh, either myself will or Cal will. Yeah. Uh, when he finally goes on there, which yeah. is a rarity these this days. This is a rarity these days. He's a rarity. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's pops in every now and again and then pops out again just as quick um, well there we go uh, if you want to send us any uh, emails or anything like that please do you can send that to waffleonpodcast at gmail.com we've got uh, obviously we're doing these mini waffles now as well we've got one coming out uh, two weeks after this one uh, we had the Sherlock one out we had a lot of good feedback about that one so people seem to be liking the little mini waffles so we'll continue to do those um, no idea what we're doing next if I'm honest no. We'll, no, we'll think about it and do it. Then. Yeah, we'll, we'll just. Throw but this it out is it. We're going to talk about with the new ones. It's going to be a lot more spontaneous, isn't yeah, it? We're going to yeah, see what we feel. Like, we'll feel like we throw it up on Facebook, then we'll record it, bish bosh. Yeah. But we do have a uh, recorded by an MP3 uh, sent to the my phone from Josh O'Renick from Oligon. Hey, Meds and Kel, it's uh, Josh here from Portland, Oregon, USA, and I thought I'd send you an email and um, just say hey. Uh, but I'm actually stuck in busy Portland rush hour traffic, so I thought I'd send an audio file instead. Um, not trying to get on the podcast because I'm not that interesting, uh, but just thought I'd call and say, hey. So um, anyhow, love the podcast. Guys, oh, it's awesome. Um, I don't think I've ever written to you guys. Uh, I definitely have commented a lot on um, meds on your uh, posts and here and there on Facebook and uh, on the Treks and Sci-Fi forums, stuff like that. So, you know, we interacted. It's good stuff. Anyway, but I love Waffle On. Um, I listen to it all the time, pretty religiously, whenever it comes out. Um, I've always been a great admirer of British TV and movies, uh, so um, listening to reviews of stuff that I've seen um, and really liked have has been uh, has been great. Um, a couple of favorites. Uh, I loved when you did Waffle On about Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. I've probably listened to that about 30 times, um, as well as uh, Waffle On about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, was fantastic. The music was great. The clips were great. There weren't too many, but there were just enough. Um, unfortunately, I know what you mean about the time warp. It's annoying as crap. So, <laughs> uh, and I do hear it a little bit too much because I know a bunch of theater geeks uh, that I that I dearly love. But that yeah, the, the movie and the and the player is fantastic. I love that. And it was just a great bit of audio, uh, an audio show. It was fantastic. You guys do a great job. You got great voices for radio. If I could pay you to do the podcast, I completely would. Um, if I Ever I'm that rich, and yeah, then we'll talk. But uh, so yeah, I love that. Love the uh, waffle on about Chopper was great. I don't know too many other people. Actually, I know nobody else here in America that has seen that movie. Um, Australian films are not really widely distributed in America. Um, that one I can get uh, Netflix here in America, but uh, um, it's you know, it's kind of rare. I like I like Australian films. So Mad Max for sure. Chopper was good. Um, Garage Days. Uh, I I like Mr. Accident. I don't know anybody else who does. I've seen. Uh, you guys have probably seen Mr. Accident, but um, it's it's just funny. It's it's good stuff. Um, it's ridiculous, but uh, so yeah. They, when you guys covered uh, children's TV of back in the day, I, I honestly hadn't seen almost any of it, any of the British stuff, um, which was good because it really encouraged me and intrigued me to go and try and find some of those things and uh, I looked around dug around and I could find almost none of it (laughs) Uh, nothing is available but I did find some clips online of um, the mysterious cities of gold was that it and that was fun it's a little speed racer ish Uh, like that Um, that was fun Uh, uh, super grand I found 
some of that um, is, I mean, it's dated to me. So, you know, <laughs> uh, being American uh, and being a little bit younger, it's dated to me. I'm not a baby. I'm 27. But um, so, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I love Billy Connolly. So it was almost just the uh, theme song made it completely worth it because Billy Connolly's hilarious um, and, and great. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, love Waffle On. Keep it up. Keep doing your thing. And um, I will continue to be a devoted listener. All right? So uh, you guys hope you're having a, a great year and the winter is not too wet for you. I think our climates are somewhat similar. Um, Pacific Northwest of America, pretty rainy, pretty pretty dreary in the winter, um, and not too hot in the summer. But uh, anyhow, guys, uh, if you if you find yourself up here in the soggy part of America, uh, hit me up and and we'll have some drinks and you'll have a place to stay. All right, cheers. Okay, uh, thank you, Joseph. And now that's what you call nice feedback, isn't it? That is that's very thumbs good. up feedback. You got to because it's the home feedback. of Dave Crowell as well, I reckon. Is it? Yeah. Holly gone. <laughs> so thank you, Joss. Uh, thanks for listening. That's uh, bang on good for you. So anyway, we are going to play the promos now. And at the end of the promos, at the end, at the end of the promos, promos, promos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to play the end title music to the man who would be king. And we will see you for the mini waffle. And then see you next month. See you later. That was the scene in California's Mojave Desert five years ago. Our historic first view of the newcomer's ship. Theirs was a slave ship carrying a quarter million beings bred to adapt and labor in any environment. But they've washed ashore on Earth with no way to get back to where they came from. And in the last five years, the newcomers have become the latest addition to the population of Los Angeles. Alienation, the newcomers podcast, is a fan cast devoted to the groundbreaking but short-lived TV series Alienation. This series tackles social issues like racism, bigotry, and intolerance with an alien twist. Each month, we will bring you a podcast dedicated to a single episode. The host will give you their thoughts on the episode, as well as some little-known behind-the-scenes information. So please subscribe to Alienation, the newcomer's podcast on iTunes, or visit our website at alienationpodcast.com. Big Brother? No. Survivor? No. The Office? Angela, then what do we talk about? Gaming, sci-fi, fantasy, and geek stuff. Really? Yes. Cool. (laughs) I'm Jen. And I'm Angela. And you need to listen to the Anomaly Podcast, where female and fandom converge. Find us online at anomalypodcast.com. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com.